And then he concluded by saying, okay, guys, let's get through all the muck and the mire and get to the reality of the situation. Who am I to you? Am I your Lord? Am I your Savior? Am I your King? Am I your truth? Am I your way? Am I your life? Do you hear what Jesus is saying over and over from Genesis to Revelation? Many, many times Jesus responded, I am. Who do people say that I am? Here's the truth. And it's this. People will see what they want to see. They will hear what they want to hear. They will do what they want to do no matter what God's word says. If it is what they want or all they have ever known. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. And if you have your notes in front of you, go right to Roman numeral 1. As you're there, I'm going to take you into the synopsis of Mark 8. And you can, or you don't have to put it on the screen. Just look at the, at the notes that I put in there, and I bolded it in your, in your scripture. We live in a time of uncertainty. We live in a time of confusion and frustration. We live in a time that everything and everyone is trying to pull us apart. It doesn't matter if you look at Facebook. It doesn't matter if you look at YouTube. It doesn't matter what it is. Everything is vying for your devotion. Everything. And we know there's only one who is vying for your devotion that promises victory, and that is the Lord Jesus. But whether it's the world, a friend, a situation, a circumstance, a possession, if it's vying for your attention and Jesus Christ is not at the helm of that, then it has got one purpose, and that's destruction. Can somebody say amen? amen. Jesus was talking to the disciples, and he said, you have eyes to see, but can't you see? He said, you have ears to hear, but can't you hear? Do you not remember all the stuff that I have shared with you and all the promises and all the victories that I have given in my word? And I'm, I'm in Mark 8, and it's in your notes. But he said, do you still not understand? Now, that word understand means, is your heart still hardened? How does a heart become hardened? That's a, that's a tough question. It's a question all of us ask. God, do I, do I have a heart? You know how your heart becomes hardened? When this book no longer matters what it says, it's what you want that matters. 
That's when a person knows his heart is on the road of becoming hardened. It's like we've got several people in our church that are iron workers, and they work with, with, with hot, hot things. And after a short amount of time, their hands become so calloused that they can no longer feel certain things. And that's exactly what the Bible refers to when it talks about a hardened heart. It's not that the heart's not there. It's not that the tenderness is not there. It's just we've given in to the ways of the world so much that now we can no longer feel and are no longer sensitive to the move of God in our lives. And it's at that place you say, oh, pastor, what if I'm at that place? Then this message is just for you. Because the reality is you can break that chain. You can break that fear. You can break that torment. But you have to go back to what you know. Jesus said these words in the passage that we read at the 27th verse of Mark 8. He said he was taking them up to Caesarea Philippi. And he said, I'm taking, he didn't tell them this, but the reason Jesus took them, it was the most religious spot on earth at the time. Every God that was on earth to be worshipped was there recognizing Caesarea Philippi. And then he asked these quest- this question, who do people say that I am? Now, the very next line, after they say, well, some say you're this and some say you're that, some say you're the other thing. Then Jesus said these words, who do you say that I am? You see, the very first question actually is the pertinent question. Who do people say that I am? Why did Jesus ask that question? He wanted to know who you're listening to. He wanted to know what you're listening to. He wanted to know who was saying what that was grabbing your ear. Because, folks, that's the first thing that will happen. Is pretty soon when somebody asks, who, does you say, who do they say Jesus is? Or who do they say? Immediately, because we've got to justify and qualify and analyze in ourselves, we will lean to what we have yielded to. Am I making sense? Okay. So what he said, who do people And then he concluded by saying, okay, guys, let's get through all the muck and the mire and get to the reality of the situation. Who am I to you? Am I your Lord? Am I your Savior? Am I your King? Am I your truth? Am I your way? Am I your life? Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Over and over from Genesis to Revelation. Many, many times Jesus responded, I am. The same I am that was spoken, that was speaking at the beginning is the same I am that was sitting at the end. Who do people say that I am? Here's the truth, and it's this. People will see what they want to see. They will hear what they want to hear. They will do what they want to do no matter what God's word says. If it is what they want or all they have ever known. Let me tell you something about a half-truth, which is simply a whole lie. Perception not confronted will be reality. How do I confront with this truth, the truth of God's Word? I understand God, I'm not going to let my heart get hardened. I understand. Oh, I might not like it. 
But this is what your word says. Oh, I may, I may not feel it right now, but it's what your word says. Are you with me? And so what happens is Satan is trying very hard, especially in this hour we live, to get people to choose their way over God's way. And when they choose their way over God's way, the devil doesn't have to deceive anymore. All he does is just allows the deceived to do the deceiving. Can you say amen? Let's quickly go on. Many walk in darkness thinking they already see only because they don't really want to see. Jesus healed the blind man. But before he healed the blind man, and we find this as we continue down through Mark 8, as he healed the blind man, before he did this, he got them to the reality that I am who I said I am. And you have to accept that completely without reservation. That was the picture Jesus was doing when he was healing the blind man. And the Bible says he had to go back and heal him twice. Jesus never has to do anything a second time. He was not doing it for his sake. He was doing it for their sake and for our sake. And the picture was that he said, what do you see? And the man said, I I see people walking around like, like trees. In other words, they didn't have a clarity of vision. They were listening to too many things in the world that muddied their vision, muddied their perception, muddied the clarity. And Jesus was doing it so the disciples could see. This is why he took them to the most religious place. He said, everybody is saying everything. But what is my word saying? What am I saying? Am I making sense this morning? Four people said amen. I know many more of you said that. And then he laid hands on him again and he saw completely. Jesus said, you got to stop worrying about what they say and focus on what I say. Not Tim Masters, God's word. you got to stop focusing on what they say. It doesn't matter who they say he is. Jesus said, deal with it once and for all. And then he took them. And he, he, he dealt with the Pharisees. He dealt with the disciples. And he said these words, I am the light of the world. Jesus is speaking. He said, if you don't believe in me, you'll die in your sins. Jesus outlined it very specifically, very clearly. He is the one with God, or he is one with God the, with God the Father. The Father confirms who he is. He has never sinned, ever, and Ultimately, in the last day, he is going to be the judge of every soul that has ever lived. Why? He is God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Sadly, in the hour we live, no matter what proofs Jesus offered, what miracles we find in his word, what witnesses he called upon, the religious elite of that time most rejected him. Why? I shared this a week before last. Look at your scriptures. John chapter 8. He said, you're looking for a way to kill me. Why? There is no room for my word in your life. Do you hear where I'm going with this, folks? God's word is the paramount. God's word is the only that has the validity of truth for the standard of our life. 
Jesus went on in John 8 and bluntly said, If God were your father, you'd love me, and you would know I came from God. Why don't you understand what I say? Here's that word understand again. The same thing he used in Mark 8. He's using here in John 8. Why are your hearts still hardened? Why are you listening to everything else but what my word says? And then he answers the word. It's because you do not want to hear my word. See, the devil, folks, listen to me. Understand something. The devil never denies God's word. All he does is questions it. He puts a doubt. Is that what it really says? Are you with me? That's all he does. You know, when, when somebody comes up, well, you know, it all depends on how you interpret it. You know what they've done? They've listened to the lie. Is that what it really says? See, God's word interprets God's word. And if my life is not going to get hardened, my life has to agree with God's word. And God's word seen in my life. Am I making sense this morning? Okay. I'm trying to lay this foundation uh, as we conclude it today. Okay. Let's, let's continue on here. He said, you have to have room for my word. And then this is what comes down to. Blind people who are blind, you know what they're looking for? The same thing as this man that Jesus healed. Lord, that I might see. Blind people are looking for light. But listen to this. Blind people who think they can see believe they already have the light. And so they're not seeking it. What am I saying? Who do people say that I am? Jesus is speaking. Who do people say that Jesus is? We got so many voices. And God says you've got to come to grips in this hour we live, in this life we live, who am I in your life? Am I what I said? If not, if you sit here and say, well, you know, then that's a sign of a heart that is on the path of hardness. Charles Spurgeon said there's mercy for a sinner, but there's no mercy for the man who will not own himself as a sinner. A statement that I've made for many, many years, the one who can't see but tries is still better off than the one who won't see and denies. Let's get on the road of Exodus, of getting out of the bondage, getting out of the slavery, just like the children of Israel leaving, leaving uh, Egypt, did you ever notice for 40 years they were still listening to the other voices? They built golden calves. They marched around a mountain for 40 years until God only took two into the promised land. Not because they couldn't, only because they wouldn't. God was speaking very plainly. God brought his word specifically off the mountain and said, guys, you want life? Here it is. But you know what they wanted? They said, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to familiarity. I want to go back to what was. 
Because I was comfortable with what was. Oh, it wasn't good. Yeah, I was kind of in bondage. Yeah, I was kind of a, a little bit. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I, yeah, it didn't. It wasn't exact. But you know, at least I knew it. How many sometimes get comfortable with what they know? And therefore they stop and no longer grow. Man, it's getting quiet in here. The way out of blindness is obedience to God's word. I want you to write this scripture down. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, this is an end times chapter. Matthew 24 talks about the end times, talks about the disciples there in 24.1. He said, Lord, or, or 24.3, he said, Lord, what, what, what are the signs of your return? Now, I'm not talking about end times today, but I am talking about the one uh, 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 statement that Jesus said that is the critical of the entire passage, and that is these words in verse 4. Watch out that no one deceives you. Do not get caught up with what is happening. Look up at what is yet going to happen. Can somebody say amen? The way out of this thing, the way out of blindness, the way out of hardness or lack of understanding or stubbornness is the obedience of God's word. How do we know if we're blind to truth or we're walking in truth? How can we be certain we are his disciples? You see, folks, the reality is everyone follows something. Everyone follows something. I was raised, folks, and, and, and I want you to hear this from my heart. I was raised in a Catholic church. And you know when I got old enough to make my own decisions, you know what I did? I went to a Catholic church. I was born Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Well, I guess I live Catholic. Never opened God's Word, never looked at God's Word, never understood God's Word. But the day that I did, God opened my eyes, and guess what? I didn't stay in tradition. I didn't stay in religion. I didn't stay in philosophy or intuition or popular culture. I got into Jesus. Can somebody say amen? You see, the acid test of true discipleship is obedience to God's word. Jesus said in John 8, put them on the screen if you would. Jesus said in John 8, if you, if you keep and obey my word, then you're my disciple. Does that mean I can't be a disciple if I'm not keeping God's word? Can I, can I say it? Duh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, it just kind of came out. If you keep and obey my word to my disciple, look what it says. First John two, look what it says here. We can be sure we know him. How? If we obey his teaching. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm not sure. Is my heart getting hard? Are you striving to obey his teaching? The answer is no. If you're striving to do your own thing and reject, the answer is could be. Are you with me? 1 John 5, 2 and 3, this is the way we know we love God's children. It is when we love God and what? Obey His Word. Loving God means obeying His Word. 
And then I love this passage says, and his word's not hard to obey. Well, preacher, you're not in my shoes. The question I ask is, why are you in your shoes? God's word's not hard to obey. You say, well, you know, if it, it, it might, it gets tough. I'd be going down the shoe store. And you know where the shoe store is? On the corner of blood bought and spirit filled. We, we've got to understand. God said, don't be deceived. Now, folks, I'm not just talking about intellectual knowledge. I'm talking about knowing God by experiencing God. Living life as Jesus lived. Seeking to please him. When we are seeking to please him, you know, we never have to worry about who do they say that I am. When you're seeking to please him, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I know who you are. So I'm going to do everything in my life to live for you and be what you called me to be. I've counseled so many Christians over the years with a simple task I've laid before them. And that task was simply this. You need to really believe what you really believe. And you know, every single one of them, folks, I'm not a, I, I, I love people, but I thank God I, that we have a counselor in this church like Pastor Ray. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tough counselor. <laughs> I, I just kind of, you see, when you come to talk to me about, about problems and difficulties, I, I, I just kind of turn it back around and say, well, what are you doing about that? Why are you, why you yielding? You see, I, I, I believe Psychology 101 says to overcome a problem, you've got to admit there is a problem. But I believe in Christianity 101, the Bible teaches, if you want to overcome a problem, you've got to admit you are the problem. I am the problem. Now, let me, let me get true disclosure and transparency. Though this seems very simple, and hear me, please. It is very easy for any believer, especially ministers of the gospel, to lose sight of what we really believe and where we really stand. Because the, the assault of the enemy, because the deception of the enemy is so consistent, many times he can even get us to lose focus on the things above by being distracted on the things of earth. And this is what happens is when you do that, you quickly begin to descend into discouragement, bitterness, loneliness, despair, and even depression. You no longer want to talk about the things of God. You no longer want to hang around with the people of God. You want to hang around with people that you can find that will make you feel the way you feel. I talked about true confession. Let me give it to you. I've jumped on this road a few times in my life. Jewel and I have been blessed with the privilege and honor of you all calling us pastor for these past eight years. Many of you have journeyed with us 
through thick and thin, good times, bad times, uptowns, times, downtimes. You have seen us in our best, and thank God you've been there to help us through our worst. There's no need for me to even begin to tell you all the junk that filters through this head of mine. But suffice it to say, when Jewel and I accepted the call to ministry, we walked away from our old lives and understood that our already busy lifestyles were about to change. But we did something. We had to make a decision to accept or reject that change. So here is the key to all I've said and what we must do if we will believe what we say we believe. The last thing, and just quickly this morning, is we have to obey God's Word, which means that we have to accept the bad God uses for the good. My wife loves Hobby Lobby. I go to Hobby Lobby with her from time to time. Some of you men out there are shaking your heads. How in the world do you do that? I actually like going. Through, I go through there and I and I I read I read the signs. I I walk through the store and she's out doing her thing. And how does somebody spend hours in a place? Okay. Anyway, anyway. So so she she walks through there and and we go to Prescott because that's where the Hobby Lobby is right now, the closest one. And we regularly attend it. And, and I get caught by the various signs. And I know some of some of you guys, especially, what might even sit back and go, that's kind of cheesy, isn't it? Well, there is one that especially caught my attention a few months ago when I went down there. And I went down here uh, recently. We had to go to Prescott for something. And I went to Hobby Lobby to specifically see that sign again so I could bring it to, to now with this message. But I have to leave it with them, okay? So I, I was going through a particular stuff, and, and uh, it was the beginning of this year, and, and uh, you know, kind of midway through, and I'm going through some stuff. And I, I walked in there, and I, I, I saw this sign, and this sign said these words, this is going to be your best day ever. Well, I read that sign, and in light of the things I was going through, I read that sign, and I kind of just snickered a little bit, and I said, not for this old boy, not today. Well, God, he didn't speak to me audibly, but it wasn't very long after making that statement that I remembered and it kind of came to my thought, Tim, do you really believe I am sovereign? Do you really believe I am faithful? Now, listen, I answered just the same way you would. Of course I do. You, Lord, Lord you, you know I believe that. And then immediately my mind started being flooded with 1 Corinthians 10. Now, on the screen, you're going to see verse 13. But I want you to open your Bibles, open your cell phones, open your iPads or G pads or whatever pad things they are, because I want to take you first into verse 12. And I probably should have told you this morning, Chris, but I didn't. I was praying. 
But I want you to read verse 12. Look what it says here. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Why? Who do they say? There's lots of they says out there. There's lots of speaking out there. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And then God gets right into the meat of it. He said, there's going to be temptations. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be difficulties. But none of them has overtaken you except what everybody else has gone through. That's what that past, that, that line means, except that which is common to man. And then I want you to, if it's not underlined in your notes, I think I underlined it. But if it's not, underline those three words. God is faithful. Come on, say it with me. God is faithful. And he said, I'll never let you go through what you cannot handle. But I'll also provide a way of escape. Did you notice he didn't say, I'm going to keep you from it? See, those who do people say, that's always coming back to us. Those lies, those deceptions. Following me, following them, following him, following her, following this, following that. It's always coming. But God said, if you realize that your stand is in me and not in you, you won't fall. He said, I'll give you a way to escape that you might be unable to stand up under it. Now I want you to focus on verse 14. Therefore, look at therefore means because of all of this, in light of all of this, what's he start with? You think you stand? Be careful that you don't fall, that you don't get tempted, you don't get distracted. Remember, it's not the bait, it's the bite. And then he says these words, and it kind of, when I first read this many, many years ago, it just, what the heck are you talking about, God? This is one of those Bible typos. I'd love to think that, but it ain't. Look what it says here. Therefore, my dear friends, therefore, Christian brother and sister, what's it say? Flee from idolatry. How the heck does that get in the equation? What's the first letter in idolatry? You know what he's saying? Take heed, he who thinks he stands lest he fall. He said, when, you, when it becomes about you, it's only a matter of time. When it becomes about them, it's only a matter of time. When it's about me, you can stand. Temptations are going to come. He said, flee your own self-serving, narcissistic attitude. Folks, he's talking to me. Okay, okay, let me, okay. He's talking to the person sitting next to you. You say, well, pastor, how can you say that? Because everybody's sitting next to somebody. Flee. Flee. Thinking, well, God, if you're in this, then why am I dealing with this? Because God is in it. Here comes the struggle of living the victorious Christian life. 
and where it begins. We must acknowledge, agree, and concede that it is the heart of God's promises is the fact that God is faithful. And because he is faithful, he will not let me go through anything that he knows I cannot handle. So the reality, listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. Pastor, why'd you say it three times? Because every time God wanted to make sure we sit down, shut up, and listen, he said it three times. Listen to me, please. If anything, if you're living for God, you're a child, if anything is in your life, and you're a child of God, it had to first be filtered through God's faithful hands. And he will not even allow it in your life if it's not for your good and it's not for the benefit of his plan. Well, Pastor, you mean if I do something stupid? Is he not sovereign? Is he not sovereign? He knew you were going to do stupid before you did stupid. But you know the nice thing about God? He can fix stupid. Hey! Look at somebody and say, I got hope. Oh, that's what I tell God all the time. I got hope. Romans 8, 28 and 9. Look what it says here. We know that for those who love God, underline that in your notes. For those who love God, all things work together for the good. And then another thing for you to underline. For those who are called according to his purpose. You mean this junk that I'm going through is for his purpose? If you love God. See, Romans 8.29 tells us that the good is that all things work together for. The good is that all things are working together for. Folks, I'm talking fact, not fate. God uses all things to do what? Look what it says. To conform me into the image of his son. Folks, think about what Jesus walked through. And you know what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews? Because of the things he suffered, he became a son. Everything is being used to make us more Christ-like if we call him who he is, if we yield to him for who he is. Let me make a critical statement at this point. To live in a victorious life, we must, and this is kind of, a, this is kind of an interesting play on words. Can you put, I think you got this on the screen. Now I want, you, I want to read it to you. Do, you. do you have it up there? I don't see it up there. There it is. We must accede. Now, folks, you've got to understand this is how I talk. So I, I'm writing this down, and Pastor Ray and I were talking about it. He said, don't you mean proceed? And I thought about it and said, well, maybe I do mean proceed. But then I went back and looked at my notes and said, no, no, I mean precede. Okay, look at this. We must accede. Accede means I agree with God. When you, when you accede to something, you agree hook, line, and sinker. That's what it is. Okay, I agree with God. And fully concede. What's the, what, what, what's the concession? God's in charge. 
Like it, don't like it, want it, don't want it. If you're going to be a Christian, guess who's in charge? Okay? I must accede, agree with God, and fully concede, acknowledge that he is in charge of my life. And it is only then, only then, only then, say that, only then that I can precede. Not proceed, precede. Precede means to step into what is already happening. Advance in the plan that he has for your life. How many... Here's what happens. Here's what happens. We get so caught up in the problems of life that we forget what we just read in the Bible. That's what Jesus said. Don't you understand? You have eyes to see, but you're not seeing. You have ears to hear, but you're not, you're not listening. Don't you understand what I've already done? You're so caught up in who they say, you forget who I am. We, we read God's Word. Or, or, or we come to church and we hear a sermon, but we forget the sermon we just heard. Now, some t- some, sometimes, however, we can recall what we just read or what we just heard, but then the problem comes in. We have no idea what to do with it. Can somebody say Amen. Too many times we come to church and we hear the eloquence of the oration of the deliverer. And some of you are looking at me the way you're gonna, that you leave church. What the heck did he just say? We recall, but we got no clue what to do with it. Why? It takes time to take what we've read or heard and apply it. We have to do something the Bible says is a good thing and the world turned it into a bad thing. We have to meditate. That means to focus on what you have already read and heard. You see, without time, all that you get from reading or sermons or preaching is just a bunch of information. Am I making sense today? And information without application is worthless. If it doesn't get from your head to your heart, it'll never get to your feet. Information without application is worthless. How many of y'all remember Karate Kid? Anybody remember that movie? Okay, I picked a good movie. I thought everybody remember. Anybody? Is anybody out there saying Karate Who? In the Karate Kid, y'all remember uh, Mr. Miyogi? Yeah, you remember, I got it. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi was teaching the karate kid, wax on, wax off, uh, paint the fence, paint the fence, or, you know, and he was, he was teaching him all these different things, and the little karate kid, kid, thought the training was ludicrous. He said, there's, there's nothing relevant here. 
But listen to me. Why? He wasn't evaluating why is the teacher teaching me such specificity? Ladies and gentlemen, every cross, every dot, every tittle has a purpose in God's word. It is specifically set there for your instruction and mine. Man, I'm glad I came today. This is good preaching. It's all there. Nothing is for nothing. Well, because the kid didn't take the time to find out why he was seemingly going through all of these mundane tasks, one day he finally flipped out and revolted. And you know what happened? Mr. Miyagi immediately rebuked him. And said, don't you understand? Oh, there's that word again. Are you so concerned about yourself and your objectives? See, all he wanted to do was beat somebody's button in, can I say that in church? In, in a karate thing. That's all he wanted to do. And he couldn't take the time to say, why is this happening? And then the teacher told him, to look at all you already know. Look at all I've already taught. And you know what? Mr. Miyagi, just like Jesus, was training us all along. Jesus is training us all along. And once the Karate Kid realized this, he became effective fighter. Ladies and gentlemen, until we realize that the trials and tribulations of our life are part and parcel of the potter molding and shaping his pottery. Our misunderstandings will only cause our hearts to become hardened and dull. And we'll come to a place where though we see, we will refuse to see that these lessons of life are teaching us the victories of God's promise can somebody say amen? You and I have to agree. And when we choose, yes, I said choose, to ignore, then all we're effectively doing is sending out invitations to a pity party. You don't understand what I'm going through. Do me a favor. Don't invite me because I won't come. And if I do show up, I'm going to make a mess out of your party. Like I've said many, many times over the years, nobody would like Pastor Jesus. And I'm not anywhere close to Pastor Jesus. But when Pastor Jesus shows up, he's going to expect us to do what we've been taught. He's going to expect us to abide by his word. Can somebody say amen this morning? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. 
To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.